What's up, everybody? It's your favorite tattoo artist here, Michael Manorino, and this is By Appointment Only, the magical, mystical tattoo podcast about the super stupendous, interesting, fantastic relationship between a tattoo artist. Producer Corey is fucking losing it over here. I'm really liking it. Because <laughs> you're wilding out already, bro. I know. I'm like minutes. so full of energy. It was that fucking monster. The podcast where we talk about the magical relationship between a tattoo artist and the person getting tattooed. Now, today's guest, it is an extremely appropriate time for this. We got writer strikes, actor strikes, Oppenheimer's coming out, Barbie's <laughs> coming out. It's a whole fucking thing. Godzilla trailers. Godzilla trailers up the wazoo. It's a whole thing. And I hit up my good friend Keenan Kelly, who's here today, to talk about movies and television and editing and yeah. all the wonderful things that make Hollywood Hollywood. And it sounds like a lot of the little people are getting fucked. Yeah. And we're here to talk about it. No he, lube. No, none. Zero lubes. No. Keenan Kelly, tell everybody out there about yourself. Uh... Yeah, I'm Keenan. I'm from LA. I uh, edit movie trailers for money, and uh, <laughs> yeah, that's about it. And then I like hanging out. Michael's cool. You yeah. do like hanging out. Uh, you have a really good dry sense of humor, which I enjoy quite a lot. And I yeah. feel like um, sometimes I meet. I always like do the thing where I want everyone to be my friend. But yeah. sometimes I meet people and I tattoo them, and I like them right away. Yeah, you are one of those people. Oh, awesome! I feel like when you left Golden Daggers the first time I tattooed you, I was like, looked to someone who was like, I like that guy. He's oh. kind of hectic, but I like him. Oh, really? So here you are. Now you're on the podcast. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, I like that you were as cool as you seemed on um, Instagram, too, because you have these very, like, you know, thought out, well thought out captions and stuff like that. And you're very positive. And, you know, there's lots of people who are, like, cool on Instagram. And then you meet them and they're kind of just like, what, what the fuck do you want? From? You know, when, and I understand it, too. Like, if people are DMing you all the time and you have all these followers and you have to be this persona, like, you don't owe it to anybody to actually have like because you know they know you more than you know them and stuff like that so it's like it's kind of one of those things where it's like you know it's like you meet them in person like like when i told you about like a uh, death cloak and i was like oh I yeah. met that guy. and you're like how is him like oh he's really fucking nice and you're like thank god like yeah you know it's like it's cool to hear so i always prefer that especially when people tell me that they go and get tattooed by someone and they're like actually they were really fucking cool yeah it's i feel like it's maybe split down the middle it's not as gnarly as it used to be i think tattooers are kind of wising up to it but yeah we'll get into that we'll talk yeah, about tattoos sure, and all that sure. fun stuff so like you mentioned, you're an editor, yep. edit movie trailers. Yep. Uh, it's something you and I have talked about into great length. Yeah. So let's get to you as a child. Yeah. You're little Keenan. Little Keenan. What were your first experiences with seeing like film or television where you were like, wow, I'm really responding to this and I really, really like this? Um, I mean, it's sort of like all I knew really because, um, you know, my parents got divorced when I was really young and I grew up primarily with my dad. And not the divorce thing. It's no. back. I think it's funny too. I know it, it is a running thing on this podcast. Oh, <laughs> just for everyone out there that's listening to this, poor Keenan was like, you know, my parents got divorced, and then Corey goes right <laughs> into laughing and almost spits out his Monster Energy drink. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, do you want to say the joke? Yeah, say the joke. What joke? Say the. Joke. Say it. I don't know what show he said. There's good news and there's bad news. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, there's good news and there's bad news. Yeah. Right? The good news is you're going to get two Christmases. Yeah. The bad news is <laughs> your parents are going to get divorced. There you go. <laughs> is that is that how your parents framed it? I was not cognizant enough to go through that. So oh, I was okay. I was cool. literally two. So okay. it was like, oh, you know. 
All right. Since you can remember. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, but I grew up primarily with my dad, and my dad's a screenwriter. So, you know, movies were very prevalent in our house, and he was always having me like watch movies. And also, he was like working all the time too. And and I, you know, I didn't really have a lot of like friends' houses to go to or something like that. You know, so I was just like watching movies by myself a lot too. Did your so, dad work on anything like big that you can talk about? Like, sure, yeah, yeah. No, he wrote. Uh, he has three produced movies: Blast from the Past, Premonition, and Enchanted. Or Crazy his, his movies he wrote. Yeah, that's sick. I for sure have seen Premonition. Blast from the Past. <laughs> that's, that's the one with Brendan Fraser, right? Yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah. Brendan. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That came around. That came around uh, with with Brendan. Uh, getting back into things which is cool do you remember when you were a kid like were there any movies that your dad specifically showed you that you really really liked or like really hated um you know it's it's hard to uh, no i mean there was movies yeah like but i'm I, i'm i don't think there's any like anything when i was really young that he was like you know oh you gotta watch i mean maybe he did and i thought it was boring but i remember like you know movies growing up that i really loved like uh Albert Brooks is defending your life. Like I remember watching that a lot on DVD and uh, you know, it's, it's hard. It's a blur. It's like, I've seen, I was just always watching like random movies, you know, to say to shout out an Albert Brooks movie is yeah. like quite a cinephile flex to be like, yeah, I was watching some movies, you know, like Albert Brooks stuff. No big deal. It's, I, I love that movie. And I, the funniest thing was that um, Ari Aster did like a whole uh, essay on why Albert Brooks is amazing, you know, and it's just, it's hilarious that this, this new God of horror, and just and being disturbing is like and this is why albert brooks is the best person you know is the best yeah. one ever so do you like uh, so for anyone out there that is not because i feel like his stuff is kind of you have to be like a movie head yeah so if there's anyone out there that like isn't familiar with albert brooks in a nutshell how could you describe his stuff um it's just very like you know like we said dry and um he's kind of always like the butt of the joke and making like uh the wrong decision and it's just yeah it's very subtle and i mean that's why i like defending your life because it's there's less subtlety to it because there's a bit of mysticism and do you guys do you know what the movie's about i do but i don't the, it's a it's a great concept so it's when you die you basically are in this purgatory that's like kind of like a resort and so while you're at this resort you are then being judged based off of how you lived your life and how much fear you had in your life on whether or not you can then transcend or you go back and be reincarnated and have to try life again until you live without fear and you can transcend and but then they have all these funny little things because it just looks like a miami not miami there's no beaches but it's like a weird like resort and everyone's in these like silly like tupas or whatever and then uh and you can eat all you want and not gain a pound and 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 all the food's ready really fast you know and and there's lots and lots of little jokes like that and um so i, I like that there's like you know, this dry kind of morose, like Albert Brooks guy who's always like pessimistic. And then also, you know, he's in this like very fantastical setting. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, it's like, I don't know. It's, it's hard to describe Albert Brooks, yeah. I think, you know, I, I it's I've it's Albert Brooks to me, you know, uh, it's a great film. Yeah, it's really yeah good. I Meryl highly Street. recommend it. Yeah. Uh, that's actually a really good recommendation, especially for people that are like just getting into movies. Mm -hmm. Um, it's easy to like do the thing where you like, know like, Oh, Christopher Nolan is dope or yeah, Quentin Tarantino yeah. is dope. But then at some point you got to like dig a little bit deeper. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I mean, letterbox is a great way to find, um, new movies, you know? Fuck. Yeah. I you know? really fuck with letterbox. You we and to, we're we letterbox friends. Letterboxd, are we? Uh, yeah. We're letterbox friends. I, I'm so bad about, I'm like, I'm not an organized person. So it's like, I'm terrible about updating what I've watched, you know? Yeah. 
and then rate you know I, I totally fall off but like if i want to like i love the way they have their lists and stuff like that getting recommendations and yeah. stuff is cool producer cory well, i'm sorry what what happened oh, i was saying letterbox needs to sponsor this fucking podcast does it I get would. shouted out a lot or oh man we 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 be talking we, about letterboxd on here we're, we're a letterbox podcast I, so we got, got me on that shit, yeah you know I mean? yeah letterbox we're gonna reach out several divorce lawyers we're gonna reach out <laughs> you know we're gonna get it i you know what honestly that's a really good idea to have like the the law offices of so and so and oh yeah yeah to be like got divorced parents morgan and morgan yeah <laughs> and then therapists too yeah and therapists if they want to advertise what is it better help is the one always yeah. getting yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. okay you know? cool so. all right so speaking about therapist yeah uh i've tattooed you quite a bit yeah and you and i have had lots of conversations about tattoos what led you to wanting to get tattoos was it art was it music was it movies how did you get to being where you are and, and being a tattooed person um I think it's a blend of all that stuff. I think seeing like I like I you know I I know the question was like have you seen tattoos in movies and and you like said like Point Break and all that. And that's well, like, that's that's the next question. Oh, sorry. Uh, but <laughs> no, I mean I yeah no I, I certainly saw them in films and then I mean also like the um you know all the Miami Ink shit was happening while I was growing up and so that was like very that normalized it more because you know like when I was a kid it was still kind of like taboo. Like I remember kids would say like you know. I, when I'm older, I want a tattoo, but I still want to be a good person. You know, they would say shit like that, you know. And so when you like all you thought was like, wow, they did that. They're fucking they're fucking crazy. Like, yeah. the, you know, officially so, a bad person. Yeah. Yeah. Like or just like, all right. You know, but um, yeah, you know, I'd like I would see them. And, and then there was a while when I was in high school where I was like, oh, I would never do that in my life. And then one time randomly when I was 20, I was like, yeah, I want to fucking do it. I don't know why. Like I just suddenly started reading about it. And I was like, I'm yeah, I'm just going to go get one and. Just go from there, you cool. know. What was your first tattoo? It's like a little script on my foot. Um, Ooh, started out rough. Yep. Yeah. It was. It was. <laughs> it, was it was tough. Yep. You know, it was a tough fifteen minutes. And I remember. I think I even. I was. I. I because of all that Miami Ink shit, I was. I was ready to like explain the meaning if I needed to, and like you know, as if I'm on a reality show. And then um, I love that you pulled up with like a whole script. You're like, well, they're gonna ask what the meaning is and why yep, we're here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I and I remember like being like. You know, because I would, I, I, before I jump into stuff, I try to like research it a lot, you know, so that I know I'm getting to. But it's just so funny because I was like all ready to go, and I'm like, "You guys have a shop minimum. I am ready to pay." You know, and he, it was this. It was just funny. <laughs> this little thing, and the guy's like, "Yeah, I mean, it's gonna be you know eighty bucks just for this thing. Are you sure about that?" I'm like, "Yeah, okay. you know." But um, you know, it was yeah, it was fine. It's just a little script thing, and it's probably it's not my favorite anymore especially when that was my only tattoo for a while it drew it drew a lot of attention to itself you know you know and, and it's like on it's like near my foot you know so it's or it's like right here and so it's like you know you get a pedicure and they're like so what's this mean and you're like fuck i don't want to talk about this you know like <laughs> and that's why i'm like i'm not getting anything written on me anymore like you don't need to read it you know um because because with pictures and shit you just go it's a fucking picture like yeah i just liked know. it yeah, it's funny. And so there's only been one tattoo to this date, which was like a piece of flash. And the guy was like, so why are you, why'd you, you know, what's up with this image? I'm like, you fucking drew it. You tell me what's up, you know, like. <laughs> I like that you picked the flash and he's like, so why do you want this? And you are like, you tell me, my guy. Yeah, like you, you drew this shit. What were you thinking? Like, you know? uh, it's funny you mentioned the pedicure foot tattoo thing. Yeah, yeah. So on my feet, I like to get pedicures so that my feet don't look like dragon claws. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I have a portrait of Jesus Christ. Yeah. On one foot, I regret it. Yeah, uh, I let a very religious tattoo artist do it, and I said you can do whatever you want. And he said I really want to do a portrait of Jesus. Yeah, and 
I didn't like it the second that I got it. <laughs> yeah. So a few months later, I got uh, like a devil skull on the other foot to offset it. Yeah, yeah. And every time I get a pedicure, the 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 people are always like, oh, oh, Jesus, oh, you must be Christian, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm not. And they're like, oh, it's a cool tattoo. And then they get to the other foot and the conversation just stops. <laughs> yeah. And they like look at it and they're like, okay, well, obviously you're not okay. So we're just yeah. going to let this one be. But at any rate... Uh, okay, on to that next question. Yeah. I am curious. Are there any movie tattoos that you really, really like? The last uh, last season when we did like our whole movie talk, uh, uh-huh. with my buddy Patrick, we talked a little bit about movie tattoos. I had mentioned that Cape Fear yeah, had yeah. like a real profound effect on me as a teenager. That was the one. It wasn't Point Break, was it? It was Cape Fear. I was. You said Point Break, and I was like, are there tattoos? Do they? I think they have tattoos in that, though. Yeah, it's uh, like that Anthony Kiedis scene for but sure. But those are like real tattoos. His oh, real yeah, tattoos. Yeah. yeah. That's just him being Anthony Kiedis. Yeah. 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 Shout out Anthony Kiedis. He's just showing up. I don't know about that. Uh, I mean, yeah, I don't really fuck with it's like a, It's like a Dave Bautista in that in, in anything where he's not Drax. He's like, yeah, and I'm, I'm fully tatted up like to the max. <laughs> you know, like that, that new the knock of the cabin where he's like. But I mean, it, I guess it makes sense because they're like random people being called to this event. But it just if, it's funny at first because he looks like a door to door to door salesman. But he's just like so like. Yeah, that was covered, weird, too. And you know? He's like has kind of this dorky, like almost like sort of like, yeah, like Mormony or like door to door salesman yeah, yeah, outfit. Yeah. But then he's like super tattooed and super fucking buff. Yeah. I mean, I, it's fine. He's a good. He's a chill actor. No, I think. No, it's great. I mean, they always say like if he's wearing glasses, you know, it's it's serious. You know, he's about to go down. <laughs> like it's funny that, that 10 minutes of, of Blade Runner 2049, like that made Dave Batista. Yeah. Like that's what solidified him is that which is amazing because I mean, that's also like editing and film. It's like you know, they could just make it so you only see this much. And you're like, oh, wow, that much looks amazing. You know, and it goes to like even when you're shooting stuff, like if you're like if you only see this in the camera, you're like, wow, that's an amazing shot. And like, you don't know, like if they panned it that way, there's a Taco Bell, you know, like it's just whatever you have in this frame is what the world is. You know, yeah. it's, and see, this is the stuff that I'm really curious to talk to you about. And this yeah. is like what I think we've touched on it a little bit, but it's like really interesting to me about like your life and editing and all uh-huh. that good shit. Um, so oh so the movie tattoos i mean i don't really remember i was trying to think of it i couldn't i can't really remember a ton i really like you know subtle tattoos and like you know like you're either like what is that you know like you can't really make it out or you're like it's like peeking out of a sleeve or something so i always kind of liked um uh brad pitt's tribal tattoo in oceans 11 yeah yeah. because you always had to do a double take because he'd raise because he's always eating so he'd raise his hand up wipe his mouth and you're like what was that shit on his hand right there you know like you got to kind of go Go check back on it. I totally forgot about that until you mentioned it. And yeah, I remember even it's thinking subtle. it's subtle because you and I are, are close in age. But I feel like even watching Ocean's Eleven, like in the late 90s, early 2000s, early it was like 2001. Yeah. OK, I remember thinking like I want to get tribal on my hand because like <laughs> yeah. Brad Pitt has it and it looks sick as fuck. And it's but. easy to draw too when you're a kid. You put all over your binders and shit. And when I used to like draw all over all my shit all the time, too. And, yeah. and then like musicians, I think, were a bigger you know, like like Elliot Smith or something like that, where you'd see you'd see stuff on them or um, I think musicians were a, a bigger influence on me as far as like, oh, that looks kind of cool. You know, yeah, that's um, been a really common thread with with this show is it seems like so many people are inspired by musicians to get tattooed. I mean, I was Corey was yeah. like, you were you were it's it's funny, though, that you like Corey and I were like hardcore dudes and like metal dudes or yeah. like, still are. And it's funny to hear someone like mention one of like the gods of indie music yeah. and be like Elliot Smith inspired me to get tattoos. Like yeah. I don't, I've never heard that sentence before and I'm really glad that you said it. Well, it's like, Elliot, yeah. Well then it goes down like, like, you, you know, uh, the Bonavere guy, like he's got stuff and you know, um, yeah. Like I think, I think musicians were a bigger influence more so than, um, movies. Um, 
not that movies aren't cool but yeah, yeah I, I would say that's probably the truth you know okay, cool so the last time we did like the movie talk mm-hmm. on this mm-hmm. podcast my buddy pat is like almost all of his movie all of his tattoos are movie inspired yeah and he really like absorbs like something like dune yeah and is like i love the book i love the movie i want to have a tattoo that's representative of that yeah for you personally because i've only tattooed stuff that's like very cut and dry tattoo imagery yeah are you the type of person where you would ever like think like oh i love this movie i want to get a, a tattoo that's indicative of that or is that not really your style how do you know i you I, I, you, I have those thoughts i have that call to the void almost you know but uh it's it's kind of like i don't know how i would execute it and i don't necessarily like if i don't have a clear enough vision in my head then i don't really know if i want to if I, i'm not sure about it enough but i want to talk to someone about it and because if i'm because if i'm going to go talk to someone about it it's gonna happen you know like i don't want to waste anyone's time so that's why i'm like i'm not totally sure on it yet so you know but yeah i definitely have like thoughts like that you know um if you could do one movie tattoo what do you think it would be like if like right now we're gonna stop the podcast you're gonna get fucking tattooed what would it be uh a fine line tattoo of the overlook hotel that's a really good answer that's a really all right so we're gonna stop the pod yeah i guess okay well bad news you're getting tattooed tonight well (laughs) no you no you, you, you we talked about the fine line stuff before and you know i think that monster is not going to help with that yeah yeah <laughs> there's also that yeah <laughs> no way i could tattoo off a surgeon monster. michael you got to be surgeon michael i don't know dr michael i think i could do it all right off a sick ass monster just, yeah <laughs> just tatting all night baby yeah honestly okay so i don't normally drink monsters yeah uh but it was the two for four thing and Corey requested a pink monster oh okay and i was like you know what i want to try the zero sugar one they're um, not bad I feel, I feel pretty good right now yeah yeah, I'm not like juiced, but this is this is my I'm a two caffeinated beverage a day guy. Yeah. In the morning, I'll do a coffee and in the PM, I'll do a monster. Do you so. think tonight you might have to have to have a third one because of the screen printing? Possibly. Yeah, I got a lot of work to do tonight, but it's cool. I'll be all right. Thank you again for doing this. I appreciate you. Thank you. I appreciate you. you. This is great. I fucking love doing this podcast and I'm grateful that we're even doing this. And awesome. Keenan's here. Keenan's, Keenan's the coolest. awesome so yeah, far. Thank like you. Keenan. Thank you. So far, don't fuck this up. I'll, I'll try. <laughs> you should try. Have you had those stumped down cold brews that are in the little red stripe? Yeah. Those yeah. literally sometimes feel like Adderall. Like yeah, if I you drink one, it fast enough. Really? Yeah. I'm going to try that like, tomorrow. Was, uh, in Oregon. Yeah, they yeah. have a stump town in that. I think it's. That's that is the stump town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oregon like, is stump town. Yeah. There's one inside of the airport or some shit. Yeah, there is. Yeah. Right. When you get out. I had one of those there and I was like, yo. This is fucking wild. Like, yeah. You're like, this shit hits. Yeah. And then you look. I feel good right now. And then you got out to Portland. You're like, where is this airport even located right now? Yeah, yeah right. Like, What's the Northeast? 45 minute Uber. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So let's get into the movie stuff. Let's get into yeah. the fun stuff. Sure. Uh, funnily, in our, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Fun- Interestingly enough, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there was a girl who came in and got tattooed. Yep. And she came, she got tattooed by Emily. She came up to me while I was tattooing and she said, hey, I, I really like the podcast. Uh, me and my dad love to watch movies together. Uh-huh. And so we really enjoyed the movie one. And that's been something that's kind of like been on my mind. Um, it's interesting to hear people say different things are tailored to them. Uh-huh. Other friends that are like musicians have been like, oh, I really like the musician podcast or whatever. So I'm glad that you're here. I, I, you know a lot about movies. Mm-hmm. And what's cool is you're on the other side of it. Yeah. And so I feel like you can speak very intelligently about all of this stuff. But initially, what led you to here? What made you want to be an editor? Why trailers? Like what? And what made you want to work in in movies and TV and Hollywood and all this stuff? Because it's, per my understanding, a really tough gig. 
Yeah, I know for sure. You know, I mean, it's like I said, you know, my dad is, is a screenwriter. And so like I was just kind of like, oh, this is the only industry like I kind of grew up. You know, it's kind of like if, you know, if if your dad was in an industry and you're like, that's very familiar to me. And, you know, it, I was lucky that it's an industry that's familiar to me and it's like cool. So you're like and everyone's already trying to do it. So you're like, oh, maybe I'll just go do that, too. Um, and so, you know, I was doing that, but I'm, I was also terrible in uh most of like school like i was awful i couldn't get into any college if i wanted to like i could i go to like gcc maybe but you know glendale community but um you know so i ended up going to like la film school um which was kind of like a devry university of film schools you know like it's like if you pay if if the check cleared you're in the school you know and and the whole time they it was it was useful because they they taught you how to like work on set because their their whole message they were preaching was like you guys fucked up so bad that you're here. And as soon as you graduate, you're going to be broke losers. So we're just going to teach you things that people will pay you cash to do. So like we would learn how to like be on work on a set, wrap cables, set up lights, you know, do all this stuff. And, um, you know, and, and we would do like editing and stuff like that, too. Like my first editing teacher in at L.A. Film School was um, Kyle Newichek from Workaholics. Oh, no shit. It, which was which was funny. Yeah. in uh he showed us the pilot like right after they shot. It. He's like, you guys want to see this pilot that we shot? Then we're going to pitch it. Um, so I was doing that. And then I was like, but, you know, obviously I want to be like a writer and stuff like that. And I get out of there and you know, there's no fucking writer jobs, you know, and like and my dad's a, from the film world and the t in, in the TV world is where you, you know, get writing jobs usually. And um, and, you know, with all this going on, it's more of like a TV guild. And that's why the TV writers are all pissed because there's so many things that are affecting them. And, and you know, they're the real power of the guild. But um but it's so separated, you know, my dad's like, I don't know, TV people, you know, they don't buy spec scripts anymore, which is how my dad got into the industry. So he was like, I don't know what you're going to do. Like, is that really a thing where they just like you can't like they're just not buying scripts like that? Yeah, that was called it was called the spec boom in the 90s. Yeah, you could just uh, like you could just go and, and I have this script. And that's when, you know, like John Ridley did his famous like three kings thing where he, you know, wrote it and sold it within 90 days, you know. That's pretty wild. And and they were just buying scripts left and right, you know, and, and, and that's how my dad got in, um, you know, selling spec, stri spec scripts. Um, but yeah, so when I graduated LA Film School in like 2010, I was like 19, you know, and there was like nothing for me to do. And, you know, I knew how to use Final Cut. And so I was just working odd jobs. And then um, my friend got me like a PA job at a trailer house. And, um, you know, I just sort of went from there and, and I got into their broadcast this is like i worked at a different trailer house before that but basically like i worked in their broadcast division because i was like well if i'm in the broadcast division of this trailer house i'll meet tv people and then i could be a tv writer through meeting these people cutting the, and you don't meet any i was sitting in a room by myself all day cutting like i'm not meeting anyone you know so yeah. and then but in doing so trailer editing was is such a niche skill as i said like it was so hard for me to learn that you got to kind of fall in love with it to get better at it you know um I so, feel like you've, you've said that to me before, and I thought that was really, really interesting because yeah. the thing that I keep in preparing for these, I try to think about what we're going to talk about and how the conversation is going to go and, and how to lead the conversation in different directions. And I kept just thinking about trailers yeah, and how much, how kind of in a sense important they are, but never in my life until I met you did I think someone had to make that. Yeah. And and if anything, it's it's interestingly, I would say an underappreciated skill because a good trailer is what's going to make me go see a movie. Yeah, for sure. And and there's lots of times I still get like tricked by trailers, you know, where I'm just like, 
Wait, what do you mean by oh, yeah. tricked? I've, Not I've, tricked. Where I, yeah. I, I hear you though. I've been pulled in where you're like, dude, this trailer's so fucking good, and you guys see you're like, this movie is not that fucking good. And it's usually like the final trailer or something like that. We'll, we'll do something where it's like, fuck it, I'm in. You know, but like, family. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, going to space. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, no, it's it's it is totally like where it's like I can see I can you know I can see the code in the Matrix when I'm watching the trailer. Like, oh, I can just I can tell how they did that. I can like. You know, I, I know what like the style they're kind of doing and, you know, I can roll my eyes if it's sort of like, a, you know, which all of us do. It's a very, you know, it's a small industry. We're all we're all competing against each other to like, you know, we're all cutting trailers. Only one person is finishing that trailer that you're going to see, you know, so we're, it's very competitive and ego driven. And so, you know, we're all constantly like, I could have fucking done that, you know, whatever. But um. But yeah, every now and then. Is it, that how you feel every time you watch a trailer that you didn't do? No, go, oh, I could have fucking done that. Better. No, I mean, no, I, I've, I've gotten really a lot better about um, not feeling that way and not having my uh, ego so attached to at least a finished trailer, especially if I'm not even on the project. I think that's a bigger question is, is did I lose in this campaign and now I'm watching the finish versus, you know, was I not, if I wasn't even on that movie to begin with, what am I going to complain? You know, yeah. what do I have to say about it? I'm like, oh, I could have done, you know, I wasn't even on the movie. You're not going to do anything. So do you feel like that makes you sharper? Like looking at really, really good trailers or something where, like you said, if, if, you could have potentially worked on it and then you didn't and then someone else got to finish it in a sense does that kind of like push you is it the thing of like seeing someone else's completed work makes you want to be better uh it's hard to say i have a very like pessimistic personality by nature and you know it, i can get very eeyore about things but uh it's it's hard because sometimes it is i think when i was younger editing when i first started editing, what I, I was inspired and then now I'm kind of like, you know, it's either like, oh, that was cool or I appreciate that. If it was one of my friends then I'm like, oh, that was great. They did a great job, you know. But um, I think I, sometimes I, it tends to be like, fuck, I'm, I'm never going to be cutting that shit. Like, you know, like don't say that. No, I mean, like Wakanda forever. When the teaser dropped, I was like, I don't know why I'm doing what like I'm not I'm never going to be in a position where all those stars have to align for that teaser piece to come out. You know, like the first teaser that, you know, where they mixed um. Kendrick Lamar with Bob Marley. Um, yeah. That was like, and, and since, and I've talked to people about it and they're like, I found that inspiring to me. And I'm like, I found out like, you know, why do I bother? But you know, it's like, you know, it's like, so but do you, do you, okay. It's funny that we're having this conversation. <laughs> I, I can tell that. Yeah. I was worried. Cause I'm like, I don't think you're going to like the things I'm going to say, but no, no, know. no. It's, it's, I like, I, if it's real, yeah, it's yeah. real. And if anything, like I, I'm grumpy old editor now. <laughs> I like to hear the other side of things because I'm like fucking Mr. Positivity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's like, you have to take the sweet with the sour. And there's situations like where yeah, that's your personality. Uh huh. Yeah. And you get the job done and you like what you like and you do what you do. And like, and that's okay. Yeah. One of the hardest things for me to learn, just like as a tattooer, as a creative, as a whatever, that not everyone is Mr. Positivity like me. Yeah. Um, I know someone who is also a tattooer and they had said to like another tattooer and it got back to me, but they're just like, he's so fucking positive. Like, it's just fucking annoying to me. And, I took it really personally and then I was just like, but that's their prerogative. Like they're yeah. just a negative person and that's okay. Yeah. Um, okay, all this being said. Wait, that's just them. They're, they suck. And they're just no, them. that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> Nobody Listen, sucks. They're a devil. It's fine. <laughs> You're going to meet demons everywhere. <laughs> Some of them are on your foot. That's why the left foot is there to cut, you know. It's switch. It's the right. Foot. Oh, it's the right. The right oh. foot is the devil. The left foot is the Jesus. But I'm going to cover the Jesus soon. I got to I got to get rid of do it. it? No. Yes, yes, he will. <laughs> <laughs> Are there any trailers that you've worked on? Uh, the question was, 
that you really, really liked or that you really, really didn't like. If saying the ones you didn't really like is going to get you in trouble, you don't have to. I don't want to put your career in jeopardy, but is there anything that you really loved or... Oh, trailers that I did? I mean... Like, is there anything you worked on and you're like, I actually really snapped on this one. Like, I'm kind of pessimistic, but I really like this one. It's 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 usually... I mean, there's some where it's like right off the bat, I was like, oh, I loved this and I loved working on this. and and But uh, there's a lot of them where at the moment I don't like it, but then later on I watch it and I'm like, yeah, it's solid. It's cool. It's, you know, so that works, you know? So I don't think there's anything on my reel that... I mean, maybe when I was first starting out where I'm like, yeah, wait but i was like I, I was just learning so what are you gonna do and and it was it's cool that i got to finish you know yeah doing that but um you know i loved i really loved the trailers that i did on um the show's called station 11. i did the teaser in the trailer for that really good show really um, really good show yeah it was, that was a great show too like when, when i when my work day was like oh we have eight episodes of station 11 why don't you just start watching it and i just watched that for eight hours i was like this was a great day at work you know um and and then cutting on it it was just it felt great because i think they were having trouble trying to crack the tone where it couldn't be depressing, especially we were still like in COVID during it. And this was a pandemic show, you know, um, so they were like, this can't be depressing. You know, it can be a little um, emotional and like there's some like solemn, but it's got to be overall like positive still. And I think I was able to like just understand the tone really fast. And um, so it's one of those things where I felt like sometimes you feel like with projects where you just click and it's just like no matter what you do, you're like you're just making the right decisions, which is what trailer editing is. It's like it's not how well I can use the Avid or, or the Premiere or whatever. Or, you know, it's it's mostly like how fast can I make these decisions that work well? You know, um, uh, I know what like trailer teasers you're talking about because me and my brother were like obsessed with Station Eleven. Oh, cool. Hey, Keenan, you're good at what you do. Oh, thank you. Uh, it's true. I know exactly what you're talking about. Like they're what you just explained is exactly what it conveys yeah which in turn leads me to believe that you're really good at what you do oh thank you yeah no yeah and i like i like those trailers and um i the one that everyone really likes that i did um that i actually didn't love the the character as much because I, I just it's just not me is um i did the trailer for uh marcel Lachelle, the movie oh yeah um, another good trailer and and it's phil collins too and i love phil collins and our music supervisor pulled it and i was like that's a great song and everything just sort of clicked for that one but um marcel the character i was like i, I don't really care about marcel the show yeah. you know it's not really my it's thing a kid, it's a kid's book you know yeah it's, it's cute you know it's good do you uh do you find it exponentially more difficult to work on a project where after you watch it you're like uh, i'm not really feeling this like i don't really like it or are you kind of just like kind of so seasoned that you're like i can find the the pieces of this that make it work yep yeah okay yeah no it's it's very much like because there you know everyone talks about like you know same with writers where it's like the blank page and we have like the blank timeline and they're like do you ever get blocked up and it's like i can't i have to cut and that's my job you know, so I, I have like a method where I can kind of like go into like an autopilot and just sort of like if I do these steps, I will have cut a trailer. I don't know if I like it. I don't know if it's good. But now there's something on the timeline and we can start working with it and everyone can, you know, all my producers that I work with or other editors can collaborate with me and we can, you know, figure out to find, you know, the best way to do this. Cool. But as long as you cut some, if you don't cut anything, there's nothing to talk about. So as long as you cut something, you know that's how that's square one, you know? And so, you know, yeah, there's a lot of material that I either don't love. I mean, especially the way we watch it too. It's like, it's not fair to the, the materials that we work on sometimes the way we watch it. Cause it's like, it's a small screen. It's like 
not finish. You know, I mean, the final product of, of movies is like they really do a lot of like in the 11th hour, they really pull shit together, you know, and it's it it really works a lot better. So, you know, we don't even have like a fair. And that's also what's hard, too, is like, how do I know what the final tone of the movie is sometimes or what they're going for? But, yeah, no, I can like autopilot. You know, we call it a V1. I can kind of autopilot like a structure together and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, and then for me, like I, I start to like stuff more. You can like kind of feel that click as you go and you're like, all right, this is really working nicely. You know, so, I, so. Uh, the more and the deeper I'm getting into like movies and understanding movie history and things mm-hmm. like that. And I realized that uh, things that I read or things that I listen to and they talk about, oh, this person's a really good editor and the way that this film is edited. Yeah. Is, done really well and it's something that i've been really i've been trying to be sensitive to all week especially in talking to you uh-huh. and i think if if you take your focus off of like the actors or the cinematography or whatever and you just focus on editing mm-hmm. it really changes the way you look at a tv show or something like i was watching a, a, a netflix show and i was like like ooh, this editing's kind of like choppy uh-huh. it's like really like kind of herky-jerky yeah um so i, I think that I'm glad that I'm I'm looking at these things in a different way and, and I'm kind of seeing all the different parts of like how something gets made. Yeah. Um, and into that, the next thing that I want to talk to you about, which I think is not in sense the most important part of what we're going to talk about today, but I think something that whether it's people that like I know or people that listen to the pod or people that get tattooed, if you love movies and you love TV and you love all this stuff. So the strike is happening right now. Uh-huh. I think it's just like a quick thing. You know, you see like snapshots of, Here's Robert Downey Jr. on the picket line or whatever. Mm. Or here's this person or here's a funny sign that, uh, you know, a writer wrote, you know, like the idol one was the one that people kept sending to me. And um, I want to just kind of know, like for you, even though you're not a writer, I mean, obviously your dad's a writer, but yeah. you work in the industry. And this is before we started recording, you were talking about how this is going to affect you yeah. and how this affects everybody. Yeah. For everyone out there that's listening and and is really kind of like not sure about what's going on. Um, and honestly, like take as much time as you need, because I think it's important. How do you feel about all this? What do you think is going to happen? And, and why is this strike so fucked up? Because we have these extremely greedy companies like just wanting more and more and more. Yeah, I mean, it's I mean, it was something that was going to come to a head no matter what, um, you know, and, and the writer strikes, they're always sort of trying to like, you know, not necessarily like like kind of it's just you have to constantly every contract figure out all right what's the next way they can potentially you know get i mean because we're all existing in capitalism and you know it's just this is what the corporations are going to do you know this is how they work and and so this is like what the this is the only thing the actors and the writers can do to protect themselves is you know like this is part of it and you know and i know people like to you know i think most people are down with with what's happening because it's happening in a lot of industries, you know, we're all like, everyone's getting squeezed in a way. Um, but it's like to sort of make sense of like why these people are demanding, you know, like for what, like the average salary in the U S is, this would be considered a lot. I mean, and sometimes it, you know, when you actually do like lawyers and agents and and people taking that you owe money to after you get your money, you know, then it's, it's not, it's not actually like a huge amount of money, but it's still like, you know, if, if, if a company is making like nine hundred million dollars off your movie, you know, and you got they paid you like two hundred thousand or something. You're like, oh, wow, I got, that's a lot of money. Yeah, it's like what well, they made nine hundred million. Yeah. Like, and off of your IP or your face or your likeness and you're what sold it, you know. Um, so it's kind of like it's just it, it's what anyone would do. Like, 
it's just trying to create more fairness between everything. Um, and it's it's hard because, you know, the, the studios can just have whole departments that can just be dedicated to like finding loopholes and contracts or how can we get around this and how can we just maximize, you know, these profits as much as possible, you know? Yeah, that's what I've learned from all of this is that the studios are really fucked up. Yeah, you know, and that's that's just sort of how it's the way it is. That's just always how they've been. Yeah, it's never been like, yeah, no, it's like, I mean, Disney used to sue preschools, you know, so that's can you give me an example? Because I did not know that. Yeah, no, like if if did you guys know about this? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I've heard about that. Yeah. Like if a preschool would draw like a Mickey Mouse on the wall, they'd get like a cease and desist, you know, Jesus Christ. That's so fucked up. Yeah. Do you think that uh, in your experience working in the industry, yeah. out of everyone that gets fucked, do you feel like it's writers that kind of get fucked the most or who who's yeah. taking the worst of it? I think I think they really hate writers, you know, um, which is crazy because they create the content. They're yep. the ones who I mean, your dad has the ideas in his head and he makes them happen. Yeah, no. I, yeah. And I think uh, I think there is a disdain for, it. Uh, you know, a lot of reasons. It's either like they can minimize it and be like, well, you're just writing on a piece of paper. I can write on a fucking piece of paper or they, you know, or, or it's like people are mad at something that they can't do, you know, that they're mad that these people can do it and they can't do it. You know, it's a weird thing. I've, I've never really understood the hatred for them. Yeah. Um, but no, yeah. Like growing up. Yeah. It's like all, you know, is all, your, all just, the screenwriters are, feel that way because i didn't know this mm -hmm. and I, I i would have probably written this down is your dad just like a really creative guy because he's a writer like is he just kind of like live in a world of fantasy or not really i think i think he does but it's a lot more subtle than you would think it's not like you know his house is not like uh, woodstock or something it's not like hippy dippy like he's very he's like still like a you know middle middle-aged white guy from the uh, suburbs of chicago like he's not like you know anything like that but i think he he does have a lot i i think he does like in his head i think he's always coming up with like ideas that he thinks are cool you know or he's like gets obsessed with something like i am the same way like oh i gotta find the perfect backpack or the perfect you know like whatever you, you just getting obsessed with a topic and um have you found the perfect backpack yet i think so i had like a topo design ones a few years ago that was cool okay cool. um uh, yeah no yeah but it's always it's always <laughs> stuff like that yeah no i think i think I think in his head, yeah, like because sometimes he'll be like, oh, I have this idea that I was doing and he, and he would tell it to me. I'm like, oh, that's actually like a really cool out there idea. But you wouldn't think that this was kicking around in his brain if you just saw him like walking around the house like, yeah, you know, I used to uh, I used to date a writer. Yeah. And she when you're with someone where like that is their occupation. Uh, -huh. uh I asked this because I, I was curious about the parallels and it's it. Writers just have this. Yeah, there's like constantly like stories kind of running through their brain. Mm -hmm. But then it also seems like and obviously I, I don't know if your dad is like this, but it's like she would hit on really good ideas and then tell me about it and be like, no, it's stupid. I'm not going to. Oh, and yeah. Then it would just disappear. And I'm like, wait, that was a really good idea. Like, what yeah. You yeah. Well, yeah. Well, you're always fighting against yourself, you know, and um, yeah, it's hard. You always you're always your own worst critic. And, yeah. you know, you don't think anyone's going to find what you're doing is interesting and stuff like that but yeah no i mean it's very it was a creative he always encouraged creativity to me like he didn't want me playing video games or you know even watching movies he'd be like stop watching so many movies why don't you you know go do something and i'd be like we don't have anything to do he's like well pens paper why don't you go draw or something you know or, yeah or if it, if it was like some musical pursuit i wanted to do he was always very encouraging of that anything like that was creative um he was very encouraging about cool, cool. um yeah
Uh, do you, once all this strike bullshit is gone, do you have any predictions for the strike? And do you have any plans? And uh, the other thing I wanted to ask you, do you ever think about like becoming an editor and moving out of the trailer thing and fully going into like film editing? Or is that something that's ever crossed your mind? It's hard. I've, I've, I think, um, I think the, other editors kind of look at the trailer editors like we're lo- like we're just losers and jokes. Like I think commercial editors think that what a bunch of haters. What I know. I think they they think what we do is really easy, and and I you know we probably think what they do is easy, but it's all very separated. I I don't necessarily think I could just like sort of jump into feature editing, you know. And I'm not necessarily necessarily sure I'd want to because you're on one project for a year, you know. Versus like trailer editing sort of works for me because I'm like kind of like on different stuff all the time. Like I'm constantly on a new movie you know, or show or something like that. And it keeps me engaged because um, it's just shorter. It's like summer school yeah. versus like a whole year of one you know, subject, um, which makes sense. I feel like I'd almost be the same way, like working, editing the same stuff over and over, yeah, and over yeah, again yeah. versus like, oh, we're done with this. OK, on to the next thing, on to the next thing. Yeah. It'd be more fun for me. And, and, and you feel, you know, if, if there's a, a conclusion always feels good, you know? Yeah. So um and then as far as like predictions for the strike, I don't know. Like I, I from what I heard from the other writers is like when SAG actually did go on strike, then like every anything anyone was predicting was out the window because they didn't think it was going to happen. Um, I could see the studios settling with SAG first yeah. and then they could still potentially just keep fighting the writers, um, which, you know, would suck for the writers. I mean, it'd be better for my profession because, you know, then work could then continue for us, you know. And and everyone else like in the industry, I mean, that's a major stoppage, you know. Yeah. Um, Are there scabs like if they, let's say the actors go back, mm-hmm. and then the like are there scab writers where it's like you can go work for Paramount or Netflix or whatever like as a as a scab? Is that a thing? I could see there being ghost writers potentially. Honestly, though, they've poured so much money over the past 50, 60 years into developing scripts. They have you know tons and tons and tons and tons of scripts that aren't necessarily like IP, but you know, they have already written scripts that you could just go and shoot it technically, you know, that's true. You know, they, they spent tons of money. They got for sure scripts from dead people. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. It's true. Do you, okay. On the topic of that, how do you feel about the whole chat GPT and like the AI thing where the studios are like, fuck it, we'll just get computers to write scripts. I mean, I think that's the natural progression of how they are, you know? Yeah. Because it's like you didn't like dealing with these people to begin with. So why would I want to if I had the option to not deal with you? You know, it's like if if you needed something, if you needed a favor from someone, but you really don't like talking to them and then actually you don't need that favor anymore. And you're like, oh, that's a relief, you know? Yeah, so that's, a, that's a really good way. Why wouldn't it. they do that? Um, and, and even for editing, too. I mean, you know, who knows how long there's going to be people editing trailers anymore, you know? So. I hope that doesn't change. I, I I think that my biggest thing is like lived in experience. Uh-huh. The person that you are, even if it's a small amount, you're going to bring that into your trailers. Yeah. And yeah. like the, whether you're having a good day or a bad day or you're feeling a certain way or it's cloudy outside or it's hot outside or whatever, like in a small way, you're going to bring that into what you do because that's how, in my opinion, creatives work. Yeah. Um, and I think without that lived in experience and without that humanness, it's just always going to be very like gray. Yeah, I guess this is really the only way I can put it. But ultimately, what I've learned about all this, too, is that it's just coming down to greed. Yeah. And if these studios are like, we don't have to have editors, we don't need to have trailer editors, we don't need to have writers, we just need actors. And if we can AI that shit, we'll do that, too. It's it's just silly to me. I don't. It's That's gonna, where I, I get a little kind of like, I don't know if that would fully if everyone would suddenly be down with like, yeah, this is all made by a computer. 
what do you think about it? And I'm not necessarily sure that people would find it that interesting after a while. You know, I think there I think it'd is, be boring as fuck. I think there's I think there is something like interesting that someone someone made this, you know? Yeah, totally. So, yeah, I don't know. And it's like and, and again, I mean, this is it's it's hard because this is so a lot of us being affected by it. This is so far above all this, like, like even like all the marketing executives we work with that work at these studios, you know, they don't have a say in this either. Like, you know, so um, it's is there just, like a small group of people, like this small cabal of humans that are making all this shit happen? Like, is it not a large group of people? Yeah, no, it's like it's just the heads of these companies and, and their shareholders and stuff. And then they negotiate through the AMPTP. Yeah. Um, so the, who like negotiates on their behalf. So, yeah, no, I mean, large, you know, all a lot of, you know, it's not I know it's called like the motion picture license alliance of producers but it's different from the pga like it's not the movie producers you know it's not the marketing people at the studio doing all this it's like literally just this select group of people making this decision you know uh because i i don't think anyone below these people want to stop working you know all of us want to keep you know have an income and stuff and survive totally. you know and 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 all of us don't want the ai either because it's like it's only it's slippery slope you know once you don't need these people at the bottom how long until the bottom keeps getting shallower and shallower, you know? Yeah. Until it's like, well, who do I really need working at the studio if I can just have this computer do it all, you know? Which is so fucked up. And to me, it's like, I, I really, I have mixed feelings about all that stuff. Yeah. But I, I generally, I think that we need to be focusing on AI, maybe like figuring out ways to like cure cancer yeah. or help the climate or how to better make clean water or dispose of trash or whatever versus like write me a script so i can make a million dollars like yeah. that just seems like a waste of good, good. <laughs> they, they don't give a fuck about those things because that that would you know uh would help humanity yeah. and wouldn't make them any money exactly yeah i i fucking know i know it's crazy greedy fucking bastards <laughs> yeah do you have any advice for anyone i mean like in this very minute like moment today uh stay the fuck out but do you have any advice for someone that wants to get into the film industry and wants to be an editor or a writer or any of those things do you what what would you say to someone listening that really 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 wants to work in movies i mean uh i think the big thing you need to figure out is what do you want to do in this industry i mean there's a lot of like you said you have a friend who like literally just like makes a living off of bringing chairs to people on set you know it's like yeah. so there's 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 tiny facets to every part of this industry. So if you just come in and say, I want to be a writer or I just want to be a filmmaker, there's not a lot of people that can work with with you as far as guiding you somewhere, because it's kind of like saying like you want you like walk into a store and you say, I want food, you know, and you're like, OK, like, what do you want to do about that? Like you want to go, you want deli, you want frozen, you want potato chips like. So it's kind of like I, I would think narrowing down specifically what it is you want to do. Mm -hmm. And also, I think if there's something you find interesting that you can do, that's kind of adjacent to the, the ultimate goal. Like, you know, if you want to be writer director, you can always do that. No one's stopping you. You don't need to be in L.A. or New York or, or wherever to, to be doing that stuff. You can do it wherever you are. Um, if you want to be working in the film industry in L.A., then you should probably find something specific that interests you that, you know, people are hiring for. Or that, you know, it's just because that's that's what leads to a path and tangibility, yeah. you know, because I think specificity is what's going to help you the most. Because if you go to if you just walk into a place and you're like, it's I want to be a filmmaker like it's it, 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 it's like, I don't know where to lead you. I don't know where to I don't know where you want to go then. It's like, yeah. you know, I feel so. like that's actually really good advice. Yeah, I think that there are a lot of young people 
with like stars in their eyes that are yeah. like, I want to be a movie star. I want to work in movies. I want to do this. But like, you got to choose a lane yeah. and really, really stick to it and really kind of like hone your craft around that. Yeah. Um, I think that's something that's kind of a little bit, we were talking about YouTube before we started recording. And yeah. I think that that's the one thing that's kind of interesting is YouTube is teaching people how to do all that stuff. Yeah. And you can kind of like, oh, I can edit my stuff and I do my sound and I do this and I do that. And you do all these different things as one. Yeah. But I, I feel like when it comes time for like the big show, like if you actually want to work in Hollywood or film or whatever, you got to kind of pick one and be really good at it. I, th- I think that's really good advice. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, you know, and, and you could still have these other goals too. I mean, but these bigger goals, acting, writing, directing, you know, those, the big, the big three, I mean, you don't need to, necessarily be here to get good at that you know as far as you know getting on a tv show then yeah you gotta i don't know i don't know exactly how to do that i mean you'd have to just a lot of networking and you know working a lot and and making sure but then again like you know a big thing for all these people who write on tv shows how they break in is like they had lots of scripts that they had written you know and if you're not in la right now you still have a computer that can write a script you can still do all this stuff before you get here you know um, so it just comes down to what, what you want to do. Do you have a specific goal or do you just say, I want to work in the film industry? And if that that's the case, you can do that. But what do you want to do? You know, do you want to deliver the chairs? You can deliver the, you know, you can find the guy who delivers the chairs. They'll teach you how to do that. You know, you yeah. want to edit, you learn to edit specifically what do you want to edit? Well, I want to so see, there's lots of little branches, you know, yeah. it, it all branches off into little things where you could make income doing it, you know? It's and that's with a lot of things, you know, if if there's a passion you have and you don't want to just work, just I don't want to just do anything. So I'm making money. So I'm I'm not starving. You know, you could always look at a niche factor of an interest you have, you know, yeah. like say like, oh, I'm really into like, like, I don't know what I want to do, but I like uh, I like Jeeps, you know, and you're like, all right, well, what do you like on the Jeep? Well, on my Jeep, I have like these like straps that create a netting. I'm like, well, who made those netting? Who made the, the nets for that? And they're like, oh. This company did it's like why don't you reach out to that company and that's sort of still in line with something you enjoy but that's an actual tangible company that you could go work at totally, you know totally. so it's, it's it's like everything branches off into little things cool uh i think it's funny uh y'all remember last season when joe was here and joe kept saying really smart things that was another really good example yeah. of really really good like concise like this is what you want to do i feel like sometimes uh on this show I'll ask people like, hey, any advice to uh, if you want to get into like this industry and then we get really off topic and then they never answer the question. But yeah. that was a really, really good answer. Yeah, I really good job. Thank yeah, you. I yeah. really like that. Wow, so, Michael, you know, smart people. That's fucking awesome. I know it's fucking it's smart and talented people. It's fucking crazy. Yeah. And so, they pay him. I, it's weird, right? <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about tattoos a little bit. And yeah. on the back end of all of this, uh, the one thing that I wanted to talk about with your and I's relationship with the tattoos and all that stuff. Uh-huh. Everything that you've ever gotten from me has been flash. Yeah. And what led you there and, and what makes you just be a flash person? Are you one of those where like, you see it. So I, I liked it. So I got it because there's Ariana almost like Grande. two. Sco- yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, like Ariana yeah. Grande. Uh, so there's almost like two schools of thought where there's the people that are really into the custom thing. And there's people that are really into the flash thing. Uh-huh. What is it about seeing flash like on Instagram that, leads you to say, I just want to get this. I want to DM this person. And do you think it's important for tattooers to do that and to be constantly churning out flash? I mean, I think that's more, that's a question for you since you're the tattooer. I don't want to, you know, I, I can't really say like what, what's the, good for, as, but yeah, no, I think, yeah, it is. Cause it is like, it helps me with like, cause there's a lot of times where people are like, I just want something. I just don't know what it is yet. And when I see it, 
I'll like it and I'll know, you know, and so I think that's what draws me to Flash more. And I, I also think, you know, Flash is a good representation of what that person does best. You yes, know, and yes, I, that and, is you just said the magic words. Yeah. So I think and I think if you're going to, you know, I, everyone has different ideas on how much they care about, you know, tattoos being like permanent fixture on you. But like if it's going to be, you know, for one, you're going to you're going to pay a decent amount of money for it if it's a good tattoo and you want it to be good. And it's like, so why wouldn't you want someone doing like hitting home? Like, oh, this is what I hit home runs at. Like, this is like this is my shit, you know? So yeah. it's like, yeah, I want that then, you know, like I'll take the special, please, you know? That makes sense. So, so it's like going to a restaurant and getting the special. Yeah. Like I want what you do best, you know? And, and so not, and not to say that like, oh, people should just stay in the pocket the whole time and never try anything new. But it's like, it, it cause there was like, like with the tiger you did recently where you were like, I was like, oh, I like this one tiger you did. And, and you were saying like, do you want a more recent tiger? And I was like, I don't know. I kind of really like that one tiger. And you're like, well, I'm a better artist now than I was when I drew that tiger. Yeah. So, and I was like, that's a good point. I, you know, like this tiger is probably better now because yeah. you've practiced this tiger more. So it's like, I think that's more of what I'm looking for is like with the flash. Cause it's like a good thing of like, you know, it's, you know, I, obviously there's like the, the, you know, historical flash, which is cool. Um, but I think if there's like a way you can see someone's style in their, in the, in the way they do the flash is like, I think that's interesting to me. Also the palm size. I mean, after I did this like half sleeve thing, I was like, I'm I'm all palm size, two hours. That's it. <laughs> You're I'm like, not... no more of the long projects. None of no, that. No, no, no. So do you by and large, have you had really good experiences getting tattooed? Are you one of those people where like you've left tattoo shops generally pretty happy or have you had weird experiences outside of me talking too much? No, no, no. I mean, I, I think what I liked about I, I did have this thing where it was kind of like the the cooler this person was to talk to the less great the tattoo was sometimes, you know, in my eyes, like how I how I viewed it later. And so that's why, I, you know, so sometimes it's like, oh, well, you just deal with this person who maybe that might be a little not as fun to talk to you. But, you know, it's two hours. And then, you know, at least what you're walking around with forever is good. Yeah. You know, but so with you, it was cool because I was like, oh, I found the best of both worlds where it's like tattoo solid and he's a good, cool person to talk to. Thank you. That's you know, very nice of you to say. Yeah. I really appreciate it. That's what I'm that's what I strive for really hard every yeah. day. I, I wanna be able to marry the two because that is like kind of a funny uh common thread I've noticed sometimes that I, I'll meet people and they'll say something very similar and they'll come in and they'll say, Oh, it's cool that like I really like your work and you're very, very personable. And they they had other clients have mentioned to me, like, oh yeah, it felt like sometimes these other tattoos were like trying to talk away the badness of the tattoo and like, oh, they're so nice that I'll look past yeah, the yeah, tattoo's yeah. kind of mid, but it's not for us to judge whatever. Everyone operates differently. It's all good. Yeah. Uh, do you have any future tattoo plans? Is there anything you've seen where you're like, oh, I really want to get that? Or are you just waiting for like that piece to pop into your life and you're just going to get it? And you're I don't Yeah, I don't know. I'm still I mean, I'm still mull mulling over the uh, overlook thing, but um, I actually really want to do that. I, I love right. The Shining. It's yeah. like one of my favorite. Movies. Well, it's crazy that you have the 237 unit. Isn't that so weird? Yeah. And it wasn't until we had been here for like six months. Yeah. And I like opened the door for someone else. It was actually for Jamie Foxx. Oh, wow. Great Jamie Foxx. Uh, not the actor. Oh, okay. Woman Jamie Foxx. Uh, she's great. Wow, way to disappoint me. I know. It's like one of my favorite gags ever <laughs> is to talk about Jamie Foxx. And people are like, no way. That's crazy. And then I'm like, oh, no, it's the woman. Her name is Jamie Fox. And then you look at the person in the face and go, Pitbull the dog or Pitbull the <laughs> singer? <laughs> yeah. Which would you rather be? Yeah. But yeah, she, I opened the door and she's like 237 creepy. Right. And I was like, oh yeah, we're 237. Yeah. So that's cool. Yeah. Uh, I'm down. I would love to. 
Uh, I love The Shining. I yeah. like all the Kubrick stuff. I also put in here, and I'm, I'm very, very curious to hear what you say, because whatever you say, I'm just going to watch these movies. Okay. What are some movies to you that are, like, masterfully edited? Edit, edited? Oh, edit. I mean, I honestly don't. Or are there any editors? I don't look at the editing a ton, really. Like, I mean, because okay, I wasn't okay. a big editor before I got into this. You know, I was I was trying to do writing, you know, so I don't I, I think good editing is invisible, you know. And so and, and the other thing is like, I mean, and I, there's a lot of respect for, you know, I know everyone harps on like the Marvel stuff not being the most like interesting stuff in, in the world. But I mean, it's still like, you know, some of those action sequences when they're editing is like it's edited really well, you know, um, like because when you see these dailies it's like really like hammy movements that these people then have to like cut together to make it all work you know um so yeah i mean for me it's like i i don't necessarily look at the editing a lot you know it's like i'm i'm more of like it's like what it's like what am i watching this movie for is this like a story movie or is this like you know i'm watching like i'm here for like the tone and the feel of is this like a kubrick or a pta or is this like you know, just a solid Pixar movie or something, you know, where it's, you know, so um, editing wise. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's like, OK, fair enough. Anything that's uh, if it's a good movie, it's probably edited pretty well. You know, what's, um, your, what's your favorite Pixar movie? Ooh, I mean, there's this uh, there's this YouTube guy who does like uh, little skits and stuff and he'll randomly like rate things. He's like, I'm going to do the whole Taco Bell menu. But so he ranked all the <laughs> Pixar movies. And I like this guy already. Oh, he's I'm a big fan. That's he's awesome. hilarious. He's a big he's a voiceover artist, too. Um, and uh, you should go find him. It's just like but he ranks all his name's like uh, Sung One. Sung One, I think his name. Yeah. Or it's one. It's one or one. I'm sorry. But uh, but it's he's, <laughs> we'll put it in the notes somewhere. Yeah, his video. His videos are really great, but he ranks like it was like in 2021. He he brutally ranks all the Pixar movies to that date. And I, I, I did. It's like he definitely hurt my feelings on some of them, but it's a great video. Like, because he's he's totally brutal about it. You know, you're like, you're right, I guess, you know. But I mean, as far as movies that the Pixar movies I like, it's like I, I have I like Ratatouille. It's cool. Yes. Uh, Number one. The best. Of, the best of the best. Ratatouille is at the is at the top of the mountain. Every Ratatouille. Time. Uh, Coco. Yes. Big Coco. I mean, Toy Story one, two and three. Um great stuff uh no four nope uh <laughs> nope nope, nope. i like Michael, Michael, i didn't know that you fucked ratatouille like i do top dude i love that <laughs> movie. he doesn't shut the fuck up about it because it's a good movie dude i keep getting yeah. into arguments on how that is my favorite pixar movie uh, yeah. put some respect on the good dinosaur all right <laughs> bro the good di- get the fuck out of here uh, ratatouille no. shits all over the good dinosaur and i'm not saying monsters inc finding Nemo. oh monsters inc's great yeah it, that's, that's a good my one. number two but ratatouille for me I think it's so it's- odd it's like an odd movie and you're like why does this work yeah this is so weird that this works you know i feel like because it's like an original idea rather than like everything else is like okay you're getting there yeah you're just harping off of something else I, I i like the first 20 minutes of soul because uh, I, I I like jazz, and so I thought that was I was like, oh, I would love like a jazzy Pixar movie, and then he just turns into a white blob, yeah. and he, Tina Fey becomes the black guy, and you're like, okay, I don't know why I'm here now. Like this this is what I wanted, but 
We have a jazz lover here. Last week, uh, yeah. my guest said he hated jazz. You're saying that you like jazz. Oh, I love jazz. You obviously yeah. have good taste in music. Oh, okay. Fucking Robbie's <laughs> talking about how much he hates jazz. And I, I love going, jazz. I was going back through and editing, and I was like, oh, you hate on jazz, and then you talk about how Avenged Sevenfold's going to live forever. Forever. I was like, oh, God, you're the fucking worst. I thought about them with the tattoos question, because it's like Avenged Sevenfold is like, I wouldn't necessarily say that they were an influence, because I'm like, you like right away, you kind of just like, yeah, that's just sort of your thing. You're just like, covered and i can't tell what's going on you know and now i like looking at their tattoos now because they're like they're like just like older and like m shadows is like hi i'm m shadows and i'm i'm from san diego he's just like a san diego <laughs> bro and then but then i'm like but you still got all these fucking wild shit bro and so now and now i can actually see what because now he's doing podcasts with good lighting so i'm like oh i can actually see what the shit is now you i know? gotta look up his tattoos because you said they're bad now we're talking about them i'm so i have to like sit down and look at them they're, they were of a time that's what they're trapped in time. Yeah. <laughs> Those tattoos are super trapped in time, huh? That's yeah, what it is. Yeah, okay. they're out of time. All right. Good to know. Um, Do you. Can you shed any light? I, this is a dumb question, but whatever. Yeah. I heard once that Ratatouille, that the pitch for it was, what if there was a restaurant, but a rat was the chef? Do you think that's true? And that Disney was like, run it. Let's do it. Um, That was, I mean, that, that would, I could, you I mean, I could see that. I mean, but at the time, you know, that's the that would be all in the Pixar brain trust, you know? Yeah. And and that would be like kind of, you know, I could see someone like entertaining that idea for sure. And they're just like, yeah, but the, but then that immediately has to go through like, well, what's going on? Let's, you know, let's break this story. Let's figure this all out. And that it has to pass through all these filters. I'm like, all right, well, how does this work? And why does this work? And, you know, yeah. Um, and I think I think France is a big element of that movie, you know, the tonally and, and setting wise and, and the vibe of it, you know, is like that's what's also cool and comforting. It's not like, you know, it's like a rat. It's just it, oh, it's just that he's a rat in a, in a, and he's a chef. It's that he's like in this like gastronomical Mecca, you know, and so you're like living in this like really cool environment. And he's like a fun, lovable rat. And I always think you know, it's so uh, funny but also kind of dorky when I listen to like movie podcasts and they say like, well, you know, Los Angeles is a character in the movie, but I guess Francis Paris is kind of a character in Ratatouille. I think all cities are, I don't, I wouldn't even say that Los Angeles is really a city anymore. It's just, it's a bunch of neighborhoods kind of put together, you know, yeah. it doesn't have a vibe necessarily like, you know, like New York or Paris does, you know, or, uh, that's or, very true. Actually. You know, like, I feel like, like when you're in Paris, you're very aware LA, yeah. I love LA, but it's a hard sell. And I can understand how sometimes when people come here to visit, they're like, this is the most confusing city I've ever been in in my entire Oh, yeah. Because it's a bunch of neighborhoods. Yeah, well, yeah. You know? The biggest mistake you can make coming here is thinking you're on a grid system, you know, yeah. especially if you're in like Burbank and you're like, all right, that's one, that's two. So it should be three after. And you're like, no, that was a cul de sac. You're lost, you know? <laughs> Barely. Yeah. Until you get like a rat's nest where the where they were like, yeah, I just build this shit right here. I don't know. You know, it's like. It's I, just, I, I once yeah. listened to something where they said that L.A. is built like a spider web. Because, yeah. yeah. Uh, it was meant to be like uh, cultural, like in, like cultural integration and that they wanted the neighborhood like unlike neighborhoods to run into each other in the way that like K-Town runs into Thai town, runs into like Armenian town. So like I. I don't know if it was purposeful or that was like a thing that was said to make LA super cool. Uh, Gentrifier probably said that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, I, I don't. I doubt when they made, you know, that area of LA, it was, it probably wasn't K Town, you know? It's yeah. like the, these places weren't this before the neighborhoods sort of evolve with whoever moves there, you know, and it becomes that. 
Um, but I think, yeah, when the ground was first poured and stuff like that, probably wasn't like, oh, and this is going to be K Town, you know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> just, is, I mean, like to imagine that, though. K Town happened after the riots, right? Yes. Yeah, K Town yeah. happened after the riots. That is a correct thing. Uh, all right, quickly. Yeah. Top five movies you love, top five bad movies you love, just five movies you want to shout out. Is oh, there- I mean, bad movies. It's funny. Yeah, you know, my fiance and I are always talk like we're always watching like I think our brains are so rotten at this point that we're like watching bad stuff just because we're like, hell like, yeah, we've been watching Jungle Cruise all the time. Like I've lost my fucking mind. Like, I don't know. Wait, but, wait, wait. You guys are watching Jungle Cruise all the time? Yeah, all the time. Like on it. Like, like several on a times? loop? Yeah, yeah, totally. Are yeah. you OK? Exactly. You know, it's just like. <laughs> I think we're we're craving for adventure movies and like there's I can only watch the mummy so many times. I can only watch the Indiana Jones so many times. So I got to I got to do the Jungle Cruise next, you know. So it's like <laughs> and it's dumb, it's whatever. I I don't know how like Metallica even got mixed in with the score. Um but uh That's right. That's right. Uh Have you seen the new Indianapolis Jones? The Dial of Destiny? Yes, yeah. Is it good? Do you like it? It's it's cool. That's fine. Yeah. It was like uh I'd say it was better than Crystal Skull. But it, I don't think it was as good as Last Crusade or Raiders. Um, I'm not really a Temple of Doom guy. It's just, kind of a weird movie now. Like through a 2023 lens, it's kind of a hectic movie. And not even for that. I just don't find it very like entertaining. Yeah, it's just, well, I didn't. Yeah, like, I don't know why. For some reason, I didn't watch that one growing up. Same with like, there's a lot of 80s movies that people love. And they were just like, I, I missed the window on it. And so I'm not into it. Like Goonies, I don't care about. Hook, I don't care about, you know. Sick, respect. Yeah. Yeah, but Back to the Future is cool, you know. Uh, do you have you watched Romancing the Stone since you're on the, an adventure kick? You know what? I just saw like the trailer for that the other day, and I was like, "Oh, this looks cool." It's a good ass movie. It's a good adventure movie. Yeah, Kirk Douglas. Uh, it's got that song, the '80s song that's real popular, "Romancing the Stone." Yeah, that one. The song's called "Romancing the Stone." It's the guy who did Electric Avenue. Oh. Oh, uh, take on. No, me. it's not take on oh. me. That's Aha. That's okay. Aha. Yeah. Uh, they're. European. Okay, how about this? Top five adventure movies since you're on an adventure movie kick. Oh. Jungle Cruise number one. Jungle Cruise number one. Uh, uh, yeah, no, Indiana Jones one, Indiana Jones three. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You oh, got so two, I, oh, two uh, left. Two left. Uh, the Mummy. And uh, the Brendan Fraser Mummy. Yeah, the Brendan Fraser Mummy. And uh, uh, the fucking. There, I feel like there was something else. I, my, my brain got wiped. We watched The Sopranos for the first time these past two weeks. So it's incredible, huh? It's incredible. It was out, like it's never going to be done again. Yeah. And, you know, it's incredible. It's uh, insane. Ending was whatever. I it's it was I was I was fine with it. I mean, I knew how it ended because of yeah. like it's just so popular, you know, but <laughs> I don't want to think that I, I, I saw the what when, you know, when the interview Michael Imperioli and he's like yeah I think he got killed in front of his family and I was like uh you don't like thinking about Tony getting shot down in front of his family no but the worst part is it's like it's that is the life he chose and and it's hard because he is a bad person he's not good and it's like and that's what's so good about that performance is you can't predict him because anytime you know he's like very sensitive all the time he loves his ducks and then anytime Christopher's like listen I love you dude and he just like fucking walks away he's like I don't give a shit what you just said to me you know like yeah it's like or like, oh, I mean, all this stuff he does. He's a bad person. And yet you're still like, Tony, but don't leave. You know, so it's funny. Like, he's he's so bad. And at the end, you're still like, no, don't let Tony get shot in front of his family. You know, it's like, um, but yeah, I mean, I, that's the way the show was going. So probably, you know, the Sopranos is happened. bar none. My favorite P 
piece of television ever. Yeah. And coming from an Italian family, uh, my parents are pretty hectic about The Sopranos. Like they yeah. were like, we don't care if you're too young to watch this. It's a great show. Yeah. Uh, so once a year I watch The Sopranos and I forget that for some reason it makes my blood start to boil. Oh, yeah. And I become very hot tempered. Yeah. And last year during my streak of watching The Sopranos. Yeah. Uh, my girlfriend Miranda got into it with someone that stole our parking space. Oh yeah. Which in turn led me to getting into it with this person. And then I was like, Oh my God, I'm screaming at a complete stranger like yeah. in the street. And it was like, we, everyone just needed to get in the car because the cops are going to come soon. Like, let's get the fuck out of here. And I, we get in the car, I go to find another parking space and I looked at Miranda and I said, I have to stop watching the Sopranos. It's yeah. starting to make me crazy. Yeah. No, it affects you. Like, Oh yeah, that's how you deal with things. You know, like, yeah no i have i have um a, a lot of italian american family in um you know my mom's half italian american so it's like there's a lot of eerily similar stuff you know that i see yeah. where you're just kind of like uh and, and especially like the grandmother i'm just like god did you watch yeah. the bear i did watch the bear yeah, yeah, yeah. the brazado family christmas i i yeah no that's familiar. i understand the brazado family christmas well it's just the it's oh yeah it's always dramatic and people are crying and you know it's just like <laughs> Mom or grandma's screaming at everyone in the kitchen. You're like, can I help? And she's like, no, no one helps me. Yeah. You're going you're gonna to burn the meatballs. You don't know what you're doing. Yes, it's that. Chef. Yeah. Exactly. Yes, chef. The only thing you look forward to is like a tray of mini cannolis or something. You know, you're like, at least that's coming. Uh, Miranda and I really like to go to a place called uh, Pizziana in Silver Lake, and they have crazy good cannolis. If you oh, like really? cannolis, they're fucking delicious. Yes. We I, had like a, the, I like the mini ones because the big ones are hard to eat because they yes, crack and they spill. They mess and, up your teeth. Yeah. And, yeah, they're mini ones. Yeah. We had a chopped salad, a pepperoni pizza, and cannolis. Woo! What a night out. Wow. What a yeah, night out. Yeah, bomb. I'm yeah. surprised I never, like, run into you around there. But. Oh, yeah. We live in the same neighborhood. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. It's on the sunset. Yeah. By the creation. The what? By creation. The juice place. Or the 30. It's across street from the 31 flavors. The 31 flavors? <laughs> the 99 cent store? Oh, yes. Okay. Right across street from there. Okay. Why did you say 31 flavors like you've never heard of fucking Baskin Robbins before? <laughs> <laughs> like it was a new brand. I don't, but I don't even 30, see it. Where's, where's there Baskin okay. Robbins around there? Do you know where Fat Dragon is? No. Bro, you're naming everybody. <laughs> because I live like right there. Okay. Well, and I like how, how come I never see you? Now we know why. I know. <laughs> <laughs> you guys do not live in the same area. No, we don't even walk the same ground. No. Okay. There's that school. There's that school. Yeah, there's a school. There's an all day baby. Yes. Okay. So, so if all day baby is here, the school is here. Yeah. Thirty one flavors is here. Pizziana's right here. Okay. There's a. It's a, it's right on the corner. There's a. There's a wine bar. Right over you know what? It's not important. <laughs> it's not important. Just so you know, though, if if you're ever craving Baskin Robbins thirty one flavors, it is in your neighborhood. We do Van Leeuwen a lot. I like. I like that too. Yeah. But my first job ever was working at a Togo's Baskin Robbins connector. Oh, cool. So yeah. I have like thirty one flavors. Love. King what Taco you, Hut. What an odd connection. Dude, but it was like sick for a 16-year-old because I could like finesse sandwiches and ice cream on oh, in no, one I shift. I fuck with it, but it's just... It's just it was odd. an odd... Yeah. I don't know if we could handle that in 2023. I got fired from there. <laughs> really? Yeah, we used to... Uh, we would take the... This is before they would just do the small bread. They would get giant loaves of bread. Okay. And we would put them in the ceiling tiles so they would get like rock hard. And <laughs> then we would... So like we would take like the day old and then instead of throwing it away, put it in the ceiling... And then on slow nights, we would push all of the tables and chairs into one corner of the restaurant. And then we would play this game called Samurai. <laughs> and we would take turns. Is this on the rye because it's bread? Oh! <laughs> oh! And we would take turns hitting each other with it as hard as we could. 
Was All there right. security cameras? So, okay, <laughs> mind you too, my buddy Jake's dad owned this place. Okay, and he gave all of us jobs. Yeah. And one day I get a call and he's like, hey, Michael, we don't need you to come in anymore. And I was like, what do you mean? And he was like, you just don't need to come in anymore. Come and get your last paycheck. That's it. And I like piped up and I was like, dude, why? Like, what did I do wrong? And no joke, he just said, we know about the bread. And I said, uh, no sweat. I'll come in for my paycheck and you'll never see me again. And I never looked at that man again. Yeah. All right. I was stealing from him. I was stealing bread right out of his pocket. So here we are today. Yeah. It was trash anyways. It was fucking trash. Yeah. It doesn't matter. My well, thank you. Thank no, you for yeah, being no, here. Sure. I appreciate it. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah. And I'm glad we got to talk about movies and editing and all that fun shit. Yeah. We're going to get to your mystery question. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. It's a really dumb one. Okay. Um, always are. What do you mean always are? <laughs> they're not always. No, they're insightful and thoughtful. They're deep as shit. Yeah. Like the ocean. <laughs> Imagine if you too will. Too soon. Yeah. Too yeah, soon. Come on. It's too soon. You're right. Come you're on. right. Okay. On. Imagine if you will. Yeah. And again, with a lot of these, like we have to like suspend, like you got to be like a little, live in a little bit of world of fantasy. Okay. All right. So the writer's strike. The actor strike, all this bullshit's going on right now. Uh-huh. Okay. And let's just say that all of the studios decide to make one giant super studio. Mm-hmm. And they're like, we're going to super squeeze everybody out. Yep. We're only going to work with the people that we want to work with. Uh-huh. And we're just going to make one giant studio that owns everything. Yep. Okay. Yeah. And they come to you. Yeah. And they're like, check it out, Keenan. If you're willing to work as a scab. And you're willing to spit in the face of all these other people. You will be our one and only trailer editor for everything. Every single movie, every single show. Like, And you can just cherry pick or you can have people working underneath you. Because obviously uh-huh. that's a huge workload. But the stuff that you want to work on all the time, that's you. And on top of that, you're going to get the paycheck to go with it. But no, you will 100% be a scab. There will be picketers on the sidewalk. You'll drive past them like in your Tesla and be like, haha, fuck you guys. Because... You are scabbing right in front of them. Would you do it? Um, I mean, theoretically, they wouldn't be picketing anymore because it's all over. Well, no, no, no. <laughs> I, yes, but well, I let's mean, just say in this universe, they are still. They're still picketing? Because it's it's not over. They're only hiring scabs. So, like, they're hiring scab writers. They're hiring scab editors. They're hiring well, scab actors. I'm not union, so I wouldn't be a scab. You would just be someone that works for them. I would just be an employee. I'd just be a, a person making an income to survive. <laughs> Would you such a Keenan response? I know. Yeah. Would you feel bad though? Like if you had someone that was out of work, like you knew someone there like, dog, how could you do this? Like, how could you, how could you go in there and work for this evil corporation that owns all the studios now? Would you just be like, sorry, I'm trying to make a living. They'd probably ask if I could get them in. (laughs) If everyone's out, you know, you gotta, you gotta do what you gotta do, you know? And and I'm I'm not saying I'm going to go write the movies and stuff. And you know, I'm not, you know, and also, you know, because I, I went to a couple, I went to, no, I went to one picket with my dad and his friends. And I said, like, is it cool, you know, if, if you know, I go in, like, yeah, I think I was like, I think my friend's here right now. Can, is, can I go meet up with them? Is that cool? And he's like, yeah, yeah. I mean, the marketing people aren't involved in, you know, this stuff, you know. So I, even though this is a fantastical thing, like the marketing, it's like I said, like, this is all people up there and everyone below them is still just a person earning a living, you know? Yeah. You know, so I. Yeah, in that case, it's like, sure. And if I could hire you, I'll absolutely get you in, you know? Okay. So, um, and I would, yeah, I mean, but for me, I'm I'm just a cog in this machine, you know? And I would say, like, yeah, I hope something 
better happens with them. But, you know, and, and I think my dad would want the same thing for me is that, you know, I'm I'm OK financially. I'm not, str- you know, it's like what any person would want. And like even, you know, everybody, you know, and, and all the all the writers and the actors, they feel bad about all these people are out of work, too. Like they don't like it, you know. Um, so, yeah, no, I think if, if it was something where all the studios were like, we're just a mega place. I mean, even if a studio reached out to me, you know, tomorrow and they say, hey, do you want to come meet? I, I would do it, you know? Yeah. Okay. Part two. Sorry, not the freedom fighter answer <laughs> you wanted. So let's say you're doing your thing. You're making a nice living. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything is resolved. Everyone's working again, making lots of money. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And you're like at the... I don't think it works like this. I just watched The Fablemans, and obviously you're not like using a 1960s editing a mo- machine. Not a movie all I know. Yeah. Uh, so you are editing. Yep. And there's like people in the doorway and they're like whispering and talking and you're like, what the fuck? I'm just uh-huh. trying to edit over here. And then like one of your coworkers will say your boss comes over and they're like, hey, Keenan, can we talk to you for a second? Yeah. They pull you out of the editing room. They take you into a meeting room and they're like, you I'm know, not fire hosing any picketers. <laughs> no, you're not. Gonna- <laughs> all right. I'm not doing that. Thank God. Yeah. No. You're not going to fire hose it. Hey, dude, could you uh, fire hose these people for us? Real quick? These people won't go. Can you go fucking take you hear with a fire hose real quick? I was like, I got the Michael just watched Sopranos. I'll call him. Yeah, exactly. Like, I'll be like hot tempered because yeah. it's hot out already. Yeah. Would you. So you go into the, the office and yeah. they're like, listen, man, we're looking for a specific look to be in this movie, to uh-huh. star in this movie. And you have the look, man, like you're oh. exactly what's on the notes. We've been looking around and just like no oh. one quite does it. We really, really, really want you to be the star of this action film. <laughs> Would you do it? Um, they're going to give you acting classes. You're going to be doing the whole, you'll be sitting there with your fiance, like, like in movies where they're talking back and forth with the script. You're working out the rock every day. You're just like doing the fucking thing. You think you do it? Uh, and this is while there's still a strike happening? Yes. No. What if there's no strike? Yeah, yeah, probably. You'd be an action star? Yeah, absolutely. Would you be intimidated working out with The Rock every day? Um, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, yeah. But you're like a tough dude. You're like a confident dude. You would think that you would just be like, inti- you would let The Rock intimidate you? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's still there. I still grew up with like, you know, when it was WWF and The Rock was, you know, what he was The Rock, you know, so it would still be, you know, crazy. I mean, I've heard he's really nice, but, you know, it's like it would still be crazy to, uh, uh, be in that position but yeah i mean what it, it's like a chance at a second life almost you know yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. like why wouldn't you take that you know as quickly as you can what would the movie be about what do you think what just like right away what comes to your mind what would the jungle movie be about? jungle cruise four <laughs> <laughs> damn like a pro yeah so so there that means that jungle cruise two and three have happened and they Six, were successful and they were successes <laughs> So people are Obviously. like, yeah, they're or, or they were bad and I'm rebooting it for them. You know, Ooh, I like that better. Yeah. Like Keenan Kelly's who saves the Jungle Cruise franchise. Yeah. Would you be the, I guess, the captain or uh, would you be like no. the, the conquistador dude in it? I don't think I, yeah, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. My role would be yet. I guess you would just be like the like the the adventurer, like you're looking for jewel gemeralds and you got to go. Well, I think it's still cruise. the rock though. I think he's still, he would still be in it. Yeah, no, he's still occupying that, that main spot. And so if I could be like a number three around there, you know, like number three, maybe four, number four character. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I'd do that. I would really love that. I would, I like that movie a lot. You and the rock jungle cruise Four. yeah. Coming I'd to theaters. It. Yeah. I'd watch the fuck out of it. Well, AI is going to do it soon. So <laughs> <laughs> <All right. laughs> 
They can make it happen. They can make it happen. Yeah. Keenan, thank you for being here. This yeah. has been really nice, dude. I'm so glad we got to sit down and talk. I've realized with some of these, it's like I know you, but I don't like know you know you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've realized that I, I really enjoy doing the versions of this where I get to know the person as we're having this conversation. Yeah. Uh, well, it, it feels weird because it is still like almost that like you know, like the, the, the server at a restaurant being nice to you, you know, you're like, I really like that conversation we had. Do you think we're like friendly? And you're like, no, you just paid the money. Of course, they're gonna be fucking nice. You know, so it is like, it is nice that like to be in a different setting where you're like, oh, yeah, no, it is cool. Like it is real. Yeah. And like, you know, I've always enjoyed love. our conversations. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. It's true. It's real. I, I've always enjoyed talking with you. I think you have an interesting life and you've always been very like transparent in the conversations that we have. Uh -huh. And I have like this big list of people that I want to have on the podcast. Okay. And, I'll like cross off names or I'll think about it and be like, there's, we're not going to talk about anything of substance or someone like Robbie that was here last week where it's like, we're almost like too much boys. Yeah. And so we just busted each other's chops for like an hour and a half. And that's yeah. basically it. Yeah. Whereas with this, like, I feel like I learned something. I feel like you gave good advice. Yeah. Um, and I feel like I know you better, Yeah. which is also cool. And it makes, that's the whole point of this. Yeah. I love tattooing people and getting to know people and communicating with them. And now I know you better. Now I understand you better. And the next time you get tattooed, we'll have a whole other conversation. Yeah. And this ridiculous conversation is forever trapped inside the podcast, I guess, like Matrix. What is, how does, DJ Michael Miguel, how does it work? I would say it's more of the Matrix. It's like a podcast Matrix. Yeah. It's, like, it's kind of like the cloud. Yeah, uh -huh. it's, it's in the cloud. Does the internet own my stupid voice? Like, is that, does the cloud own There's my probably voice? enough of your voice. Really? To, to, to do something about it, yeah. Uh, I think after like two episodes, there's probably enough for your yeah, voice it's, out there. They only need like 20 minutes. Yeah. So then when Ratatouille 2 comes out and there's going to be like an annoying well, you tattoo have to, you told, No, you have to do some of your French. Oh, okay. Just yeah. like speak some French in it. Yeah. And then be like, bonjour, baguettes. Uh, uh, <laughs> samurai. Du poisson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Samurai. I fear that if I start doing a French impression, I'm going to get in trouble. So I'm just going to <laughs> let it be. Yeah. Keenan, you're the sweetest dude. Thank you for being oh, here. Thanks for having me. Everyone's Thank you to nice. everyone for listening. It's yeah. been another ridiculous, exciting, strange, insightful, movie loving, strike supporting, uh, studio, mega studio hating studios. Get it together. Like, Fuck dude. Fuck Come on, just give the people their fucking money. Like it's, it's, yeah, fuck. I know I gave a formal apology last week to James Cameron. I'm not gonna be doing any formal apologies to He seems like he's a real motherfucker. So give the people their money. Keep Keenan working. Let's just support each other and be chill. Yeah. Everyone out there, thanks for listening and watching and all that fun shit. Keenan, thank you for being here. Yeah, of course. This podcast was produced by the lovely DJ Michael Miguel and producer Corey Dunn. I love you guys. You're the sweetest. This podcast theme song is by Javi. And I just want to want to remind everyone out there to be tatted, stay tatted, love each other, and watch a good movie. Go watch a good movie after this. Go watch The Jungle Cruise, Keenan's favorite film. Goodbye, everyone. Have a good night. I love you. Bye.